0: It's good to see a growing uh, congregation, it's good to see a uh, congregation getting younger having children here, and uh, I can't help but believe that uh, both Pastor and Kevin, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Melanie have been a real blessing here to leadership of this church, so thank you for your love and support for them for the work that God is doing here. Uh, this is also an exciting Sunday for me because this is my second Sunday in a row in which I am installing a... A woman lead pastor, Sun so Michigan Conference. Next Sunday, I'll be at our Albion Church installing a woman lead pastor in our conference. We just appointed our first ever African American woman to our Detroit Church. Last Sunday, I was in the Pulaski Church, which is down southwest of Spring Arbor, Jackson Area, and I installed a woman lead pastor. So this is uh, exciting days to be part of the Free Methodist Church as God is calling women and the conference is recognizing the leadership of women and placing them in many lead roles throughout our conference, so I'm excited about that. So uh, when Kevin was uh, installed here, I preached a message from Second Timothy chapter 2 uh, that probably all of you remember, I'm sure, all of you. <laughs> <about. clears throat> but uh, I've uh, continued to use that message and develop it over the last five and a half years and I want to share it again here this morning. So we're looking at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul, uh, who was really acting as a bishop or an overseer of a number of leaders who led a number of house churches. That's the context. In the first 300 years, there were no worship buildings for Christians. Christians uh, largely met in homes and there would be networks of homes in the cities. And uh, this superintendent was giving oversight to the conference in Asia, and he wrote this letter to a young pastor named Timothy. Timothy was overseeing a number of house church networks in the city of Ephesus, which was a large Roman city. This young pastor oversaw churches, he oversaw pastors, and he worked under the supervision of his superintendent. Now, again, the superintendent's name or the bishop's name here would be Paul, and this pastor is Timothy, and I want us to look at the ancient letter that Paul wrote. Now think about this, folks, this is really amazing. This is a 2,000-year letter. Just be in awe of that. In this part of the letter, the Apostle Paul uses four metaphors to describe the nature of pastoral work, and I want us to look at these metaphors together And in each case, I want to address a specific word to Pastor Melanie and to the congregation. So it's 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Are you ready? Say yes. 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 You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I think in this case we can safely retranslate that. You then, my daughter, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Melanie, we need to stop right there and take that verse in. Paul is telling this young pastor that he is responsible for the state of affairs regarding his own soul. Paul recognized that Timothy had a responsibility to pastor his own heart well, and that before Timothy could really pastor others well, he needed to be shepherding his own soul well. This reminds me of the pattern of the Lord Jesus, how he conducted his ministry in the Gospels, Jesus got away from the demands of ministry many times. He just spent time in the presence of the Father. And this leadership habit really empowered Jesus concerning his ability to attend to the mission of seeking new sheep and feeding sheep. So you will do well to take this counsel to heart. Your first ministry responsibility is to care for your own soul so that from that place of strength, your pastoral duties here in Monroe will flourish. And then he begins with the metaphors. Paul wrote, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. There's our first metaphor, teacher. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. There's our second metaphor. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete, here's our third, does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And finally, the fourth metaphor is in verse six, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give us insight into this. And that's what I'd like us to do here in the next few moments we have together. Let's reflect on these metaphors. This is a, a, a tremendously important and relevant passage of scripture. So the nature of pastor work has something to do with being a teacher, a soldier, a farmer, and an athlete. What is it in these metaphors that we can mine out today? Well, let's go back to the first. The pastor is a teacher. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to rely on people who will be qualified to teach others. Now for years I preached this passage. I probably would have done this passage 20 times in five years. And I have not understood it as fully as I do today until just weeks ago. I used to think that Paul was talking about uh, the generational nature of the church. After all, we are here today because a teacher taught a teacher that taught a teacher that taught a teacher, and that's gone on for 2,000 years. Right? I mean, we have this passage, this manuscript for 2,000 years, and people have taught it. And the people who have learned it have taught it. And and that's a fair understanding of what this is. But there's something else that Paul is getting here that we really need to understand. Paul is not just talking about successive generations teaching right doctrine. Paul is talking about the multiplication of teachers or leaders for the church. Right? The things I have said, Paul, to you, Timothy... And trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is a fourfold exponential multiplication of the teaching. So it isn't just the content that Paul's after here, it's this idea that there's more multiplied teachers that are teaching good doctrine. Now, friends, one of the key challenges facing the Church of Jesus Christ today. Concerns our ability to multiply disciples leaders and churches Frankly we have failed miserably in this regard the church in the United States has the church in North America has In vast places of the world today on every other continent with possibly the exception of Antarctica Don't get technical on me okay the church is growing exponentially because teachers are being multiplied Exponentially, I think that's what Paul was after here. He was less concerned with one generation down teaching. He was more concerned with an exponential growth of people who are qualified to teach. So this teaching role here isn't just what happens in the hour on Sunday morning, right? It's in our conversations. It's in our congregational meetings it's in the boardrooms of churches it's in living rooms where small groups are taking place that in those contexts not only is the gospel message being taught but teachers are being developed to teach that message and to reproduce it again and again and again melanie be that kind of pastor When you're preparing to enter into the teaching function of your leadership role here, think about how the teaching can be fully leveraged for multiplication, not just to deliver a message. Now, a word to the congregation about this. Uh, One of my favorite proverbs in the Old Testament uh, is, sitting in a chicken house doesn't make you a chicken. It's one of my very favorites. Some of you are looking up right now, where in the world is that? Honestly, it's really not in there so don't bother looking for it but the truth behind the proverb is this in the same way that sitting in a chicken house doesn't make you a chicken sitting in a pew doesn't make you a Christ follower either Mm -hmm. friends if we are hearing without applying if it doesn't apply to you then you're wasting your time here the one who is blessed is not the one who hears the message from the teacher It's the one who applies the message that the Spirit of God is laying on their hearts, and this is what James wrote in his letter in chapter 1, don't merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves, do what it says. If you want God's blessing upon your life, you, you can't just hear the truth, you must apply it, information leads to constipation, but application leads to transformation. Honor Pastor Melanie's work throughout the week by giving her your careful attention on Sunday morning. Here's the second metaphor, soldier. Pastor's a soldier, looking at verse three and four. Join with me in suffering. Now Melanie, you gotta love this one. <laughs> yeah, the nature of good pastor work, suffering, right? <laughs> Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no one serving as a soldier gets involved or entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Now our son Daniel, thank you by the way, whoever led in prayer this morning for those in our military who are serving. Our My son Daniel's a 12 year veteran of the Marines uh, serving in the Philippines right now. Uh, he's 13 hour time zone away from his wife and three young children. This is his second year. Second tour of duty in this calendar year. And uh, he was first deployed in Afghanistan's Afghanistan's Helmand Province during the troop buildup under the Obama administration. I'm looking at some of you here, you know Obama, who's that. Well, anyway, <laughs> there was his president Never mind. We're, we're, <laughs> Daniel was deployed in a forward position with uh, the enemy at 270 degree radius from their position. We chatted three times in seven months, and early on, he said, his first phone call, when he got there, I said to him, I said, Daniel, what's it like? He said, Dad, we're under fire every day. Uh I was watching the news during that period of time, and uh, every day on the news would be the latest casualty report of U.S. Marines in Helmand Province, and it was a fearful time. They lived under the hot desert sun for weeks without showers, yuck, there was no hot food except whatever they had in the can that got thrown into a a big pot over an open fire. We sent him food, we sent him clean underwear because the military couldn't furnish them with underwear. They could get bullets, thankfully. They couldn't get underwear. Daniel said that they would literally wear their underwear until it literally just fell off their bodies. I mean this was a tough assignment. For seven months that was the assignment. And there was a lot of suffering going on. And all of that comes back to you, Melanie.
1: <laughs> Melanie at yes. the was something
0: to be endured. That's Paul's word. And I can assure you that there will be times in pastoral ministry when it, where enduring is all that you can do. You must outlast and outwit the enemy's assault on your leadership as a pastor, which takes us back to the first verse, right? Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus. At times it will seem overwhelming as you look for cover under the barrage of misunderstanding, conflict, or spiritual attack that will always come your way because you're the leader. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God's with you wherever you go. The word of the congregation, the second half here, verse 4, reads that a soldier doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Well, the commanding officer is Jesus. Not you. Pastors are appointed to churches. They are not employees of churches. Every once in a while, they have to go to a church and remind them about that. Pastors have a commanding officer. His name is Jesus, and it is his church. Not theirs, not mine, not yours. And we must please Jesus. Right. And sometimes a pastor is in an awkward place because in their ministry, they want to please their commanding officer and they want to make people happy. And sometimes you just can't do both at the same time. It is always in the best interest of the church when a pastor pleases Jesus first. Make sure you're clear about that in your own heart and mind. Ours is a day of opinion polls. We're dying of opinion polls, aren't we, church? (laughs) Earthly leaders sniff the prevailing winds of public opinion, right? Trying to find what's the best way to lead in those shifting winds. Soldiers aren't politicians. The metaphor is not politician, it's soldier. Pastors are not politicians, they're soldiers. Their goal is to follow the leader of the church, blesses a church that has a pastor who listens to the spirit and roots their leadership decision in what the spirit outlines. Third metaphor, verse five, pastors and athletes. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Now, Melody, pastoral ministry should have the smell of the gym about it. <laughs> It requires a physical and a mental toughness. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he wrote in chapter 4, train yourself to be godly. The word train is the word "gymnas," from which we get the word gymnasium. So it's the same idea. Pastors exert holy sweat in their ministry as they run the race hard. Now a word to the congregation. My wife some years ago ran uh, some 5K races in a particular summer, and I think it was her first, was at our conference camp, Somerset Beach. After the race began, I walked over to the one mile marker with my camera in hand, because there was a watering station there, and uh, as the runners were coming around the corner, they had lots of yelling, you know, yay, keep going, keep running, you know, people were yelling times to their you know, favorite runner, and they are getting them water, and all of that. And it was just really neat to see this group of runners, they're they're running hard, they're exerting energy, and we're standing there cheering them on, and if I was running that race, I'd need water, encouragement, and oxygen, but anyway, Mm -hmm. the thought occurred to me, and it was like the Spirit of God said to me right then, he said, you know what, this is a way that it ought to be like in the local church, when pastors as athletes are running hard. They're expending energy and the churches need to be a place where they are refreshed and encouraged just like a thirsty runner needs. So church, be sure that you're rich with your words of love and support and encouragement. I mean, my goodness, when I sit here and think about how God has already used this couple to be a blessing to this church, I'm just so grateful. As you bless and enrich Melody, Melody will in turn bless and enrich you. Finally, a pastor's a farmer, verse 6. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now, I taught this one for years as well, and I had a new thought about this recently. But this is a garden. This community is a garden. This place of worship, this gathering of God's peoples, a garden. And Melly, your job is to cultivate this congregation and to produce an incredible crop of healthy, fruitful disciples so that this becomes, if you will, an incubator for the church of the future, the leaders who God will call out of this congregation, how exciting that we get to do this. They pay us to do this job. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? Mm -hmm. Every day you're going to have three options regarding where you will invest the majority of your time as pastor. Now, I used to think, I pastored for 30 years, so I used to think that this was my God and that the congregation was what I was responsible for. And just recently again, I received another insight that the garden is actually much larger and I think you two know this and I think you've modeled this really well but I shared this word for you and for the congregation the farm field is much larger than what we're seeing here today mm-hmm. there is on this side the need for pastor Melanie and Kevin to invest in leaders and there's on this side the need for pastor and Melanie to invest in relationships with lost people and there is the middle where they're pastoring you, raising up disciples and leaders, counseling, caring for you. Now here's what happens. In healthy churches, pastors farm all three fields. In unhealthy churches, pastors get sucked into just this one. The needs of the congregation so weigh them down that they're not able to develop leaders and they are not able to reach the lost and there are many churches today all across this country where something has gotten out of balance and where pastors are running hard and gardening in this garden alone and I can guarantee you that if you concentrate in this garden alone this garden will get smaller the church needs to be expanding today. Can I can I get an amen on that? People need to be reached today. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen because pastors are raising up disciples and leaders who are multiplying disciples and leaders so more lost people can come to know Jesus. So churches can grow and be healthier and stronger and more vibrant witness and testimony in their community. That's how it works. So if the farm field is large. We've got all sorts of opportunities, but we've got to see those opportunities as well. So the Monroe Church is not a museum commemorating what God's done in days gone by. The Monroe Church is to be a life-saving station and a leadership incubator. God wants to do more here. I believe that. He wants to do more. And this congregation must do the same things I just communicated with Pastor Melanie you must also be looking beyond the walls of this this facility this building and you must also be farming in the fields of leaders and lost people who need to know the love of jesus we aren't here for us we're here for others so don't expect pastor melanie to just pastor you let her raise up other leaders so that the ministry of pastoring multiplies so that the number of pastors do you think God would like that I do let her spend time and build relational bridges with the lost so that the mission of the church moves forward may this place become a leadership factory that cranks out new leaders who join in the farming work of church leadership in the years ahead now, we're going to move now to the installation service. And I'm going to ask uh, Kevin and Melanie, uh, because of our space here, guys, I'm going to have you stand kind of right down here in the middle. And uh, and we're going to have some audience participation here. I think you can still hear me? All right. good. Let's have you stand right here. So, dear friends in Christ, Melanie's been appointed as minister... to to minister as a pastor in the life of the Monroe Free Methodist Church. We gather now to install her into this position and to pray fervently for her effectiveness in this ministry. Jesus called James and John from the care of their nets, Matthew from the tax collection booth, Priscilla and Aquila from the livelihood in Rome. All these and others besides them have been chosen by God to serve his people, and, and I lost my place. <laughs> Where was I? And enlarge his <laughs> kingdom on earth. Thank you. you good. Wow. You make that a little bit bigger. All right. And God has been pleased to endue his servants with gifts suited to their task. He granted Bezalel the skill to fashion gold and silver. Upon Joshua, he bestowed the gift of military leadership. Upon Isaiah, he poured out a spirit of prophecy. In the days of the apostles, he empowered them to preach, to heal, administer, and evangelize all to the glory of his name. We therefore approach this moment with confidence that he has appointed Melanie to carry out a ministry of pastoral leadership and that he'll provide all the grace needed for the work. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Melanie, I have four questions to ask you before I install you and we come together to pray for you. And the answer is always yes, because if it's no at any point, the whole deal's off, okay? All right. We did not rehearse this, but we have good faith that Melanie is going to say yes to all of these. So Melanie, will you be fervent in prayer, faithful in service, and diligent in bringing people to Christ? Yes, Will you be thorough in your preparation to teach and preach and proclaim the Word of God with honesty, clarity, and love in the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Will you accept this ministry with dependence upon God for its fulfillment? Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, you got that right. Will you nurture the gifts you've been given and the skills you have acquired and use them for the advancement of our Lord's kingdom within and beyond this congregation? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, I'm going to have you folks stand right here in front of me, and I'll stand behind you. If you'd like to come forward this morning... Uh, and lay hands on Kevin and Melody. Uh, We want to invite you to do that now, and I'll lead in a prayer of installation. So let's do that. All right, gathering around here. Wonderful. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we're so excited about the call of God upon all of our lives. The call to relationship, the call to receive love, the call to give love, the call to follow Jesus and have our lives transformed. We also recognize the very special call upon certain individuals throughout the history of the church, those who are called to pastoral leadership. And we're in a long stream of history here. We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the relevance of this passage of scripture, for the insights that you have given. And uh, Lord, we come now to this important moment where we lay our hands upon our sister and Pastor Kevin as well, and we bless them in your name, in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, that these words that have been spoken into the heart of Pastor Melanie today would be fruitful, that they take good root in her soul and spirit, and that, Lord, out of them she may serve with strength and vigor and in joy and with love. Thank you, Lord, that uh, all that you're requiring of her, all that you're anticipating of her (coughs) is possible because the God who called is the God who equips. We're so deeply grateful your call upon Melanie's life and for Pastor Kevin at her side, for how you've worked, are working, and will continue to work to the glory of your name and all God's people said, amen. 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 God bless you. You may return to your seats. Thank you.